You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me as always, an anti-crypto fascist punk who's been uh, kicked out of MLS games for his radical leftist views. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. I, I, I don't... <laughs> you have to remember, I spent the weekend in Vancouver, so I yeah. don't think anyone believes you. Yeah, probably not. Um, you're not fighting the power? You're not hashtag resisting? I, I, I like, I'm... I'm 35 going on 36. I am the power. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> like, I am the system. So, so am I, but I, I'm not the power. I am not the system. Uh, no, well. I, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I definitely think that it's important to be talking about those issues. Actually, I was thinking about that today. Um, yeah. The fact that we really haven't talked about it too much on the podcast. I mean, it, it, our podcast doesn't really cater towards that sort of analysis, but I think it's still important to, to, to at least speak up and say like, you know, look what, what's going on with MLS in general, uh, the, the no it's political weird. speech. It's, it, it's, well, I saw a really good article that, that mentioned uh, the fact that MLS wanted these types of, these types of people, these types of fan groups, these types of um, yes. these types of very um, these views, yes. they wanted it in their league, and this is then, who they courted. This is what they have. This is who we they've recruited uh, through, you know, all their various uh, tools for advertisement, and this is who they now have, and this is who they're rejecting. It doesn't make sense uh, from it's, that perspective. So it's I don't, a very strange. I, don't understand. I think regardless of um your political views on certain things i I think generally what's happening is pretty like it's not that provocative like it's it's really not are you against racism no racism no gun violence like even (laughs) if you're like even if you're just like i i know it's it's not that simple but but generally speaking i think that all of us would probably at least say that we're against these things and not feel normal reasonable yeah good human beings are against all those things that's so, like saying children should be fed and properly taken care of right but there's like such yeah there's such like a there's such a disconnect for me between like running campaigns like soccer for all don't cross the line like these were very like social campaigns that were saying like no we want this to be an inclusive place with all of these groups to feel welcome so uh, but like, also like yeah. that i think that there was a problem like where we assumed that when we said like we want to include all we assumed that people that very much don't want that when actively work against it would not be included in our inclusiveness. <laughs> well, they even say in the don't cross the line, you're not, like, if you're going to cross the line, you're not invited. You're not welcome. Yeah. So, like, if you want to come be part of our nice rainbow hippie flower parties here in MLS, and I think it's a great place to hang out. I think that, that it should be that kind of place, and I don't think that... Uh, Numerically speaking, I don't think that it's a great business decision for to do what MLS is doing because they're messing with the markets that are actually really successful, like Seattle and Portland and Atlanta are the ones that are getting the most blowback for this. And those are like their three most successful markets, right? Well, there's LAFC as well. And LAFC, another very successful market. Like, why are you, why are you doing this to, like, uh, to make people that don't even come, that won't come to the games, they're not going to come. If you say they like, they're a, they're a minority too. Like they're not, gonna, they, yeah. They're not a. They're a, not a. Pro, this is. It's not like this is the way modern America really thinks. They have a small voice, and I don't mean to make this like a really. We we've already came down. They've got a small voice in the White House, and that's it. Yeah, that's what. That's the only thing that's making them feel like they have any sort of power in this country, and they don't. And so catering towards them just feels icky and it feels gross and it feels really really it it angers me that we in any way shape or form are trying to validate that uh and so i'm glad that we you brought at least brought this up because i try i try to like be very rational and very like reserved with my political political takes uh but But this is just silly and it's dominating every mls storyline um 
And there's a lot of really good ones out there, unfortunately. And I can't like, and I just, I can't like, I, I, this is like the biggest thing everybody's been talking about for like three weeks. We've been off. Our, our producer, uh, Casey, reproduced a child. I don't know any of the specifics on the child. Do you know like the name? And I, I, yeah, I didn't want to like throw that out there. I don't know yeah, how yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, anyway, he leverages his wife on, on Twitter all the time yeah, for, see, you know, funny see, takes. So see. maybe it doesn't really matter. Uh, so congratulations to Casey and the whole Casey family. Uh, uh, you know, get back to work on our podcast now. Uh, yeah, please. It's Stop being lazy. Time. Yeah, it's been two weeks. You've had enough time to gaze lovingly at your child and contemplate the vast wonders of life and think about how everything's different now. Well, one thing isn't different, Casey. We have a one-day turnaround on this show, and we expect that. Uh, it's in the contract. Kidding, of course. Uh, congratulations to Casey. Uh, and uh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. And all this stuff was happening while that was going on. And, um, so we didn't really get to kind of talk about it. But, yeah, it's just kind of boiled over at this point. And I, I, I hope that they come to some sensible realization that what they're doing is actively stupid. And, like, they're trying to do this both sides thing, but that's not how it plays out. Um, and by making this group of people that is not coming to your soccer games, generally speaking, feel welcome, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're making people that are, like, their biggest customers, their best customers, their most devoted fan bases and followers – uh, want to do something else, and that's dumb. And, Syria uh, wishes they had this problem. <laughs> I know. And so, <laughs> if you could just take like a step-by-step guide of how not to handle a situation like this, like they've managed to to trip over every landmine. It's it's astonishing. So, uh, get it together, MLS. Come on, you can do better. But let's uh, let's leave that and let's talk about the other big news of the day. <laughs> a bomb dropped today, Harrison, on MLS Twitter on MLS News. <sighs> Remy Gard, gone. Okay. You know, it's weird timing, but yeah, whatever. Okay. He's not, not been the greatest coach. Not like, the he's most not shocking nec- move. Yeah, no. I get it. I mean, again, weird timing, maybe. You're kind of in the middle of a playoff race. I, I, you know, it's a risk. <laughs> but in the same press release, Wilmer Cabrera named the new head coach of the Montreal Impact. And I've lost my mind. I have no idea what. Like, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. I. I, I, can you can you give me any good reason for this? Like what what Montreal saw in Wilma Cabrera and thought like yes that is what we need to shore up our playoff position here in the East. Well, I mean nothing's firing right now presently. I mean they're just in a dead drift. So why not? Well, I think why not is like the reason why not is because don't make your team worse or complicated. Like Cabrera has a very specific style that he does not tend to like. But it's not as though that that doesn't match up with what Montreal's doing. So, like, so to play on to the on the other side, of that he's he's very four three three oriented. He's very much he wants to be capable of counterattack, but do a little bit of possession. Um, that's I mean it. it like theoretically, it match like his style matches up with kind of how uh, Montreal's kind of envisioned in playing. That being said, this is totally a side grade, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I think if it's a side to downgrade, in my opinion. I, I maybe I don't think as highly of, of Cabrera as you do, uh, but but I just see like a very. Uh, I, I mean, I look at his team, and I think he's had you know uh, not a great team in Houston. He's had very excellent pieces on a team, and I think he did a good job of leveraging them well, but only about half the time. Um, and any time that there was like any sort of adversity to that, like it just nah, it, they they just collapsed, um, and it wasn't like. And I think it won like four road games, like his whole tenure there. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I think this is, I think this is not a great move for Montreal. I don't I don't think it improves the team noticeably. I don't think it's, I don't think that Wilmer Cabrera stands any better chance of getting you into the playoffs than Remy Gard did. And I think actually it might, the confusion might make it more difficult. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that take. That is a good take. So, um, you know, that being said. We wish uh, Wilmer Cabrera the best of luck as we do each and every MLS coach out there uh, going forward. And uh, I, I hope this works out for you guys. You shouldn't have got you hired, but you know what? You Good know what? luck. You know what? Maybe I can. I've never understood the Montreal Impact, but I do understand Wilmer Cabrera. So maybe now I do actually understand the Montreal Impact. And that could be good for me because I can finally. But still, Wilmer Cabrera, Victor Cabrera. There it is. There you are. The, there now, now you have a direct inline. I have a direct inline to my boy Victor Cabrera, possibly elite. He just signed a new contract. Did you see that? They extended his contract, Victor Cabrera. 
I don't know why they don't they don't play them. Uh, <laughs> they did though. Uh, I can only assume that they like they sort of they had to renegotiate it to make some cap room somewhere for some of, of for Bojan Kirkic or one of those guys they brought in Lassie maybe I don't know. Uh, but but the, the Victor Cabrera dream lives on still, and now is another Cabrera there in charge of it. So, and you know what, it, Willem Cabrera does like questionably uh, questionable defenders. So like this could be a perfect thing for Cabrera to be in there. Houston's gotten better. Yeah, a little bit. Not not enough better. They they I, I feel like the real issues are are set pieces and uh, later on in the game. Uh, game yeah. state defending probably is and anything that happens away from home. Wow. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's convenient. Yeah. Uh, LAFC clinched the first playoff spot. Um, in August. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> you heard this down. I don't know what to say about it. They're set to the bottom. Surely it started. Yeah, maybe. Maybe like they. Maybe they turn off. Maybe they get complacent. I doubt it. I don't know. Like even like a little bit of complacency isn't going to. That was a little sarcasm that I read. Yeah. That was that was, that was, that was, was a liner sarcasm. I, I read a little sarcasm there. Yeah, but uh, no. I yeah. Good for them. They're 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 killing. They're so good. Makes me so mad sometimes to think about how good they are and how not good other teams are. Uh, Atlanta won a trophy. Yeah, he, they did. I honestly did not know this entire thing was happening uh, until the night that it happened. And it kind of felt like it, it just kind of... It, surprise! It happened the year before, too. I didn't even know that Toronto played in one of these things, so... Um, we actually talked about it very briefly. Did we? Okay. Yeah. I did not remember. I honestly, when they it, said, like, it, it, Campiones it, Cup, I was like, is yeah. that the League's Cup thing? Like, I didn't think Atlanta was in that, and this was like, oh, no, 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 this is like the... Anyway, Atlanta won. Uh, a match that uh, they got two penalties, uh, did not make the first one, made the second one, uh, and uh, they got to play a man up for the second half and, and went home. So it was a very favorable game state for Atlanta, and uh, congratulations to them on Club winning. America was just trash. Well, yeah, they weren't very good. They, they really weren't. Good, but Atlanta still needed a lot of help to get that result. Um, and uh, Jeff Loreno had scored a screamer. That was fun. Jeff Loreno at the bomb. Big red. Galazzo. Choo-choo. Uh, so congrats. I don't know what the title for that is. I guess they're Campiones now? Uh, yeah, Campiones champions. Campiones of just the continent? or I, I don't know what it is. We'll figure it out. I think that tournament's going to be massaged because it's just kind of a... What they're doing is it's like the Supercopa thing they do in Europe. Yes. Um, and they did it on like the same day that they did the Supercopa in Europe. So uh, that's not the most prestigious trophy in Europe. I'd be curious to see how it uh, does here. I'm sure Atlanta will trumpet it quite loudly, as they already have. So maybe it'll catch on. Well, <laughs> Darlington well, well. Nagby is good again. Why did you write this? Did you just want to incite me? Yeah, I, yeah, I really, I did. I did. That was that was just a fun little. Hey, let's uh, let's let's mock Ian here. So yeah, I, apparently, had on, a good game. on the cusp of the uh, of them winning the trophy, like Nagby kind of like all of a sudden became super Nagby, um, like. He went Super Saiyan and like controlled the game with his elite passing and shut down um, the game. They like, needed two penalties and a red card to win. And listen, that's fine. Like I'm not taking away from Atlanta, but like Nagby was fine. Like what are we talking about? It, like it started this whole thing again that I get so tired of. They're like people really underrate Darlington Nagby. No, they don't. He's like one of the most well-rated and like accurately rated like players in MLS. Like there's nobody not aware of Darlington Nagby's goodness. Like, cause no one will shut up about it. Like he's fine. He's a good player. Uh, as people are like, he's like the best midfielder in MLS and no one, appre- like, no, he's not. He's, he's not, not, not by far. Not even close. I mean, no, no, and no disrespect to him. Right. Like, again, he's a fine player. He's a very good player. Even at um, times he can be very good at times. Yes. At times he can completely disappear because he doesn't have a well-rounded skill set. And I don't think that he ever, has wanted to develop anything more and, and that's not to be there's a lot of players that are like that he's he not score, unique to that. he doesn't tackle so he doesn't stick out so i get that like the, where this 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 uh uh sentiment is coming from that, where that the he, idea that he's underrated 
Yeah, because like he mm-hmm. doesn't do things, which is a good reason to underrate somebody. But like you know, he he plays a more cerebral like possession game, and he can kind of dribble between lines well, and he he passes the ball backwards and sideways well, and he, you know he's very composed on the ball, and that is a useful skill set in certain systems, and certainly Atlanta's used it to to, to great degree. But 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 I, I don't I don't think that like deep down this guy that is like. I don't know. He's the second overall draft pick. He won the Herman Trophy in college. He's got 25 international caps. You know, he's been a CONCACAF Best 11 player before, and he's won an MLS Cup. I don't think anybody is like in an all-star. I don't think anybody is like, who's this Darlington Nagby guy? Like, why, why is no one aware of his abilities? Like, we're all aware of it. <laughs> yeah, well, all- I mean, he's like one of the top. He has one of, what, when Atlanta actually traded for him He with was Portland. like the most expensive player was- he traded in the league ever. <laughs> Somebody rates him. He's not underrated. Yeah. They paid a million dollars for him. Right. All right. Well, that's not, and I know that's going to come across as disrespectful to Don Tanagami, and I don't intend that. I just, I, that, that narrative, every time that pops up, and it does a couple times a season after he has a good game, uh, is one that just particularly sticks in my craw, as they say, Harrison. <laughs> I'm sorry for, for triggering you, as they say. No, I, I'm hoping <laughs> for it. Uh, St. Louis joining Major League Soccer. We got another Major League Soccer team. Yay. Yeah. So uh, I have a question for you. Does that mean like during St. Louis versus Atlanta games, there's going to be a rap battle at halftime? Because I would want to know. That. I don't know. Is St. Louis a rap town? I don't know much about St. Louis except the pizza's bad and the Cardinals and Taylor Twelman. Uh, so you do not listen to City Spud, I take it. No. Jake Juan? No? Okay. I don't know all what right. any of that is. All right. No, keep going. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't leave me out to dry hair. It's fine. It's tell fine. me tell me about the rap scene in St. Louis. Jake Juan? Yeah. It, 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 you got your you got your Nelly? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's a thing. It's a it's whole a thing. thing. We don't it's need a whole thing? Okay. It's a whole thing. It, it, it's an entire thing. I hope so. I but, hope they do have rap battles at halftime between St. Louis and Atlanta. Um, I'm happy to welcome St. Louis to the fold. I, I think there are too many MLS teams. So, like, all of the teams that are going to be announced are going to be met with a little bit of a groan from me. Um, until we get closer to, like, 40, and then we can well, split it up, and then I'm happy again. Like, Taylor Twelman going, everybody's going to underrate St. Louis. <laughs> like, yeah, again. Was, I was like, I they don't, don't have a roster. How can you underrate them? Yeah, how, how, can, how can you disrespect them? Like, what is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is the thing because it's like, and it's the same thing what they did with the night. Like, people are just like, you know, like they're just underrated because it's like, not only are we like we supposed to like congratulate you for having a good player, but like also because you knew he was a good player, nobody else did. So like, it's even better. I don't, I don't really get the whole like why people want to like they do it with Diago Chara too. Like another great, extremely well regarded player. Uh, they're just constantly like, oh, the most underrated player. Like, about the 50th time you call someone the most underrated player, like, he's not underrated. Like, it's not even close. Patrick Mullins is underrated. Okay, now, see, he is underrated <laughs> because only you rate him. <laughs> but even he has more, like, uh, uh, less of a claim to that because of the the microphone you give him. But uh, it's just such a... Okay, I'm not going to get off on the sidetrack again because All this right, is... This moving is, you on. Know, you know this Edison is Edison Cavani. Edison Cavani. Yeah. Miami. Cool. It's going to happen. All right. Or it's not. No, it's not. Because Daniel Sturridge was going to happen, and then it did not. I don't. I would. I would sign Edson Cavani before I sign Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's. Yeah, I, I think that's a really safe call. I don't um, think that that was a hot take at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, cool. Um, I think he's in his thirties, maybe mid thirties. So, you know, but it, it can work. We, we've shown that those players can still do well here. Yeah, he might. He'll certainly get interest uh, in the team, and that's definitely very important for an expansion side, Uh, particularly one in a market that has previously folded. Sure. Uh, It's good to have ownership that can go and buy stuff uh, like that for you. Yeah, it is. Uh, Mike Petke is gone. Yeah, that was going to happen. Uh, (laughs) I know that, like, we didn't – I don't think we talked about the actual events that occurred there. We we briefly mentioned it. It's, I think we, we alluded to it, but didn't say specifically. But then the news broke, and like I, I, uh, my take was that once people like actually hear everything that went down there, they probably agree. Um, so. so unless you're like a prominent Salt Lake City uh, beat writer, yeah. in which yeah. you just blame, you know, millennials. all those millennials. Yeah, not even fans now. The, those millennials. Yeah, firing Mike Pecky. So uh, good riddance, Mr. Pecky. Uh, I'm sure that will not be your last job in soccer, but it will probably be your last job in MLS. So uh, it was real. Thanks for the funny press conferences. 
Um, let's see. We already talked about Omar Cabrera because there was more news about that today. Uh, Divi Arno taking place uh, at Houston. That's interesting. I, I like that uh, interim commitment there. I think that that's a that's a good that's a good call. You know, a lot of people kind of connect him to the Ben Olsen tree, but I think they keep forgetting about the the time he spent with Peter Vermees, which I think will be kind of interesting. I, I, I think Houston is one of those cities that could potentially have a serious uh, advantage come midseason, especially with the heat. And uh, it'd be really interesting to see them play an upbeat style of play because I feel like they, they generally don't. Yeah, it's curious. Anytime you kind of bring someone in from the current regime, I'm never sure like what kind of um, change will happen. Uh, if any, if, this is, if any, and uh, you know, certainly in some situations, you know, when a coach leaves to get a better job, um, you know, you don't want to change maybe if the team's doing well. But in situations where you've, you've fired the coach, you, you, there's obviously something wrong. Well, he did. Technically, he's not fired, right? He let. I, and this is the thing that's weird. I do weird. wonder, like, how that worked now with the timing of that, because maybe he stepped down in order to take this job. Well, that was it. Was uh, if I do recall, it was him. He did step down technically from the position, and the thought was that he was gonna. He stepped down because he could be fired, but that didn't make a lot of sense until the whole situation with Montreal happened. Which, I, I, that's yeah, super weird. Super Montreal, weird. Dude some tapping up doing that tap tap tapping anyways i to do that at least you aren't in europe i don't know if you are in the i'm sure they don't care uh further news uh seattle added a ton of new people to their ownership group last year yeah seattle will have like 15 owners 16 owners now i mean it's um, like lafc up in there yeah i mean it worked for lafc i guess this is how seattle is looking to close that gap uh macklemore okay famous hip-hop artist uh thrift store Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, great quarterback. His wife, Ciara, great dancer. Sarah, Musician. Yeah. Grammy Award winner. Yeah, there you are. A bunch of tech royalty in the Seattle scene. Um, and they lost Joe Roth, who was a weird kind of racist dude. So that's probably good riddance there as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the bottom line for Sanders fans is just going to kind of be uh, – what does this do to our team? And I don't think it does a lot either way. But uh, I, you know, I, it's hard to say. And I think that you have guys that are a little bit closer to the team. You know, the Sound Art Hard guys could probably give you a little bit better insight. Yeah. My immediate like gut reaction is that they're probably going to be less. And I think we talked about this offline. I think they're going to be less apt to spend. You know, on, what eight figure uh, guys, um, which they, they don't do often anyway. I mean, like, yeah. I can see them still doing one every couple of years if they need to replace Reediaz or Ladero or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this turns them into Atlanta. I don't think they're going to be starting to sign 18 to $20 million no. players just speculatively. But uh, So, really, I think on the whole it's going to be kind of more or less um, the same. I think they probably took a net, wor- net wealth loss maybe, but it, that's not really the issue. The issue is kind of what ownership's willing to spend. So, um, And it seems like Joe Roth didn't, didn't want to be part of that group or you know part of that investment anymore. So... Um, yeah, uh, it comes at an interesting time. And I guess this is our first, like, actual uh, American soccer analysis topic of the day, which is um, Seattle, uh, because they are terrible. I, I mean, they're not doing well, right? Like, this this isn't a huge surprise that they're struggling at this stage. I, maybe, maybe, I suppose, for those that are, like, looking at the form guide and watch every game and, you know, they're they're kind of... When you get kind of stuck in watching every single game, like I feel like you can kind of get a little too focused in in these small narratives that we build up for ourselves, right? Like Harry Ship has been had moments of real brilliance. The problem is, is that largely he's been inadequate. Um, it, 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 that's not to say that Harry Ship is a bad soccer player. He's been very adequate for the role he was signed for. Yes. The problem is that he has been forced to play a more prominent role than anybody expected him to. And that's, uh, sadly, that's not been great, right? Hendwala Buwana not has not stepped up and not taken that step that they needed. That's decidedly bad um, and disappointing, to be perfectly honest. Um, I like Hendwala Buwana a lot. Joven Jones not being the the player that he is. So uh, the biggest underall uh, 
overall type of situation that has come up is the fact that Svensson's been injured and Chad Marshall retired at the beginning of the season. Those are the two most prominent things that have affected the Sounders. And to be perfectly honest, the underlying stats have kind of been screaming at us for the past three months saying that this is going to happen. This is, shouldn't be a huge surprise. <laughs> what is the huge surprise is that they got away with so many games. I mean, they got a block of games in late April, early May, in which they were kind of lucky. Well, I mean, I will say that w- one thing to kind of think about with Seattle is that they, they've been getting away with it for a, like a year and a half, actually. <laughs> um so this has this kind of like fall from grace has been coming a bit and definitely like looking back i was looking at their their their, their fixtures like list over the the thing on on the, the who scored there um and like i was looking at like they had like one convincing game since like april you know that they played a really great match against atlanta and um <clears throat> that's it the rest has been like very unconvincing stuff um and uh, even just to kind of like say like i, I kind of broke this down to good times bad times um and good times were like exactly six matches, and then LAFC happened, and they lost 4-1 there, and then things got not so great. Um, but they were like at 2.71 PPG for that first part, and then dropped to 1.2 after that. Um, you know, like they were scoring 2.3 goals a game, that's down to 1.5, and probably the most like telling is that they were, uh, when they were good, when they were in that first part of that season, that first block, uh, you know, they had uh, they were allowing 0.83 goals a season, and that's doubled since then, the 1.6, uh, even though the XGA numbers have only gone from 1.33 to 1.45. So even then, they were playing above what they should have been, and now they're getting a little bit less than they should be. So that whiplash feels even more extreme, I think. No, and I think that's a really good call. Um, but, I mean, even if you want to amp it up a little bit more, and why, <laughs> why are they not looking great is predominantly it's these large amounts of xg attempt high xg attempts right so santo uh seattle itself is one of the worst teams in in terms of giving up these high volume uh high leverage opportunities within the 18 they're giving yeah. them time and time away and if you want a bigger reason on why they haven't been great i mean just look over at stephen fry and the fact that he's actually in the plus for this XG. is the first time i've ever seen this and i'm glad you brought this up because i wanted to say something about this too well it, it, it's not about the fact that he's not a great keeper he is no, and to be not. and to be perfectly honest the reason why this team has overperformed over the past, you said 18 months, and I think that's absolutely perfect. Uh, the reason why they've been able to overperform over the last three months or 18 months are three players yes. Fry, Marshall, and Rui Diaz. And Ladero. I, I was going to throw. So Ladero and Rui Diaz is like 3A, 3B. Right, yeah, yeah, those yeah. that that you can't really have one without Ladera, the other. Ladero Ladera is Diaz. like a borderline MP, MVP. I will totally, you know how I feel about Ladero. I, I love that Ladera. dude. We, we both do. We love Ladero. Even his but Ladero doing what he's doing, um, obviously makes Seattle better. But he's not the reason necessarily why they're underperforming or overperforming. Right? That's true. That's true. I'll he give you that. he pushes that talent that much higher, but he's uh, Rui Diaz is going to overperform, help you overperform those stats because he gets into really good places to take shots, and he's quite frankly completely more athletic than a large percentage of his peers at that position in MLS. Yes. He, the way he turns his body and gets shots off blows my mind. Sometimes I really think that's that helps his. Um, overperformance of XG, and then so, Fry and Marshall—they—they're just yeah, they—they they organize. One thing that we've seen Seattle do a lot lately is we've seen them make really bad defensive mistakes. Like we we talked about this with Chicago, where this will mess with your underlying numbers. If like yes, like you're limiting like shots, but you're also falling down or being in the wrong place or kicking the ball into your like, like dumb things, like things that you don't want to see your professional soccer team defenders doing. Um, and like, I, you can say that that is a result of maybe, uh, Chad Marshall sort of, um, you know, being a good defender, not being there anymore. But I almost, I also think he kept their concentration up. I think he kept that back line, like alert and awake and, and paying attention. Like that was kind of part of his deal was like uh, his ability to kind of be like a, a leader back there. Um, and now you seem like shut off. Like I, I can count on like so many times like Seattle just concede after scoring. 
like immediately like, so quickly like the lead or that they equalize they do all the hard work and finally get it and then it's just gone again because like they just shut off um and that's stuff that young defenders do that stuff that uh you know like i think he, he's a good defender but i don't think he's much of a leader uh, at least he doesn't seem to be from my view and then yeah like with fry it's not that he's a bad goalkeeper he's having an average goalkeeping year like it's just that he's not being superhuman like he had been for the three years prior and once that happens, it feels bad, but but it doesn't mean that like anything's wrong with what Fry is doing, or that Fry should you know be replaced. Well, and it's it not means, as like, if you... he's not ha- making those superhuman saves. He still has made those superhuman saves this year, but it's just not. Yeah, it's just not as much. And it, it, it's I don't think until you see that you realize how much you were relying on him to do these miraculous things to keep um, Seattle in respectable positions. And so now when it's kind of all come together at once like this. It feels real bad and it looks real bad and i i think that seattle are kind of a very predictable team tactically i think that their attack is very plotting at times um you know we don't see them press at all and i think that you look at teams that are very successful in this league and that's something that they do and i think it's it's really you're hurting yourself if you don't have that in your locker um there was a cool graphic that uh, dummy run made where uh, it showed pass success to seattle <clears throat> or of all teams um you know, uh, on all areas of the pitch, distance from goal. And you could see, like, in LAFC and Atlanta and NYC, like, they had, they were limiting teams to, like, below average, like, passing success rates on all areas of the pitch. And on Seattle, they were, like, the third worst. Like, they just let passes go by the entire way. And, like, that, you can't play like that and expect to be where LAFC are, where Atlanta are, where NYC, FC are. Like, if you're not going to play like that, you need to align your expectations more towards, like, this mid-table thing because that's what those mid-table teams do. Well, and I do think, though, that that speaks to the fact that, you know, you've basically lost a little bit of your spine, right? You've yeah. you've lost Svensson, you've lost Marshall, who, as you mentioned, are, are the two and defensive Ozzie's leaders. And Ozzy's not around, too. And I mean, Ozzy's yeah. not around as well. That's a huge... That's a huge uh, missing spot. So now you're all of a sudden asking Roldan to do more and to organize and be something that he hasn't been before. And I think that there's a learning curve with that. That being said, you know, they've obviously gone and signed a couple pieces uh, for that. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not that snaps back for them, if that Mm -hmm. pushes them forward. I'll be honest right now, there's this weird dichotomy of how the West is so, um, so tightly packed and wound together. And we talked about this a few uh, before we kind of went on break that there's, it was so hard to tell. Well, now tears are starting to form. You're yeah. starting to see the tears form and Seattle's not, not either in that first two tiers. Yeah, they're not. No, and it's really hard to see where they're going to finish right now. That's true. It's absolutely true. Um, <clears throat> you know, and it, it's in the past, there has been like some catalyst in the mid season that kind of like, rejuvenated this team you know it was switching coaches in 2016 and bringing in ladero uh you know it it, it was really as last year this year i don't see that catalyst i don't see anything that's going to make them like reevaluate how they're doing things and and try to play in a different way and i think that without that it's going to be i I don't see them having the typical like late season barnstorming run that we've kind of gotten accustomed to them doing so you and I have talked about Brian Schmetzer in the past and yeah. how he functions as a coach. Is he someone that you think is still going to continue to have a job? Who? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't think they'll get rid of him. I mean, certainly not in the season. I would be surprised. I would be extremely surprised if he were moved on from um, during What about this offseason? Boy, I think if you're going to do it, it's a good time. Um, I think Seattle has a lot of rebuilding to do. Uh, in the off season, and uh, yeah, I, I think if you if you want to make that change, unless you're just really, I, every time like we, okay, every time like I have to do this about a coach, I feel awful, and it's because I don't know everything. I don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. I don't see how the product is made. I just see the finished product, and I have to make assumptions, um, you know, based on that, and so. Like, I don't know. Maybe Brian Spencer is a tactical genius and like in the locker room on the sidelines, like he's just spinning soccer gold and he's like got an office full of whiteboards and game tape and pep text him before every game to like run his plan by. Like I don't know these things. It could be. And then the, the Sounders players just don't respond to it. I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. But again, but again, if it's if he's that knowledgeable and they're not responding, right? That that's goes back also to the coach's job. That's too, also make- right. 
and I'm not making I'm I'm right there with you. I'm exactly 1000% with you. It's it, we have so many assumptions that are built into whenever we talk about these things, we don't know half this stuff, right? Like and that needs to be absolutely transparent made transparently clear. We're not speaking from a hey, this is what I saw and this is what uh, you know, I heard even what I heard from a player, right? Yeah. This is what we're seeing out on the field. And you know, I will take it a step further and say the hiring of Preki and Gonzalo Pineda mm-hmm. feel like to me that he needed assistance on the tactical side. And I feel like there's been stuff said about that. Not to say that he's not a tactical genius, but they were trying to get him support. So because what Schmetzer seems like he does really well is he helps those players buy into that plan. He understands the modern MLS player. Or at least it he, seems like that's kind of been the the narrative. You can look at things he's done with players and say like he's a good man manager. And I think that he's an excellent man manager. Uh, I look at the way he's handled difficult situations and uh, the way he's like handled it with the team. And he's done a very good job of that. And I think that that skill set cannot be underappreciated. Like I, I, you have to appreciate that. That being said, we're some teams are choosing to like move up a tier, like you said, into this coaching department. And it, like these coaches are bringing about like actual like look at San Jose, like look at um, you know look at LAFC, like you, like uh, even Atlanta. Like as much as people don't like DeBoer, like he's kind of back in first place. Like this is a different tier of coach that's coming into this league. And so these guys, like I, I don't know, like if you want to be the local team and you want to like have like your local guy and your local owners and. Um, you know, that's fine. Uh, that's one way to run a team. But just understand that you're going to be, you're not going to be in that top tier anymore if you run your team like that. And I think that that's the question that uh, Seattle need to ask themselves. I and I, I don't know what the what the answer to that is. I don't think that there's a wrong one. I think they could still make the playoffs. I think they could still make an occasional MLS Cup run. But if you want to be in this next tier of teams that's going to be like competing for supporter shield and pushing records and trying to like, and I think that that's what the fans expect of the team. You, you're going to have to make a change there. Yeah, you're gonna have to figure something out, and for to come out with you know your your theme uh, right now for your ownership group be called family. I think that kind of help clears things up. But yeah, that's I think just see where they stand. Yeah, that I, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think you're you're tying it too much, but I do kind of agree with you. Uh, I don't think you're tying too much to the fact that you can't make those runs. But you're definitely gonna have to invest in some assistant coaches, and you're gonna have to hope that there's people that are tactical geniuses that don't mind being an assistant coach. And I, I think that you you're kind of under press. You have to yes. under press. I don't, I don't, have a, I don't to. think you have to have a press. Have I don't, you do not have to have a press. What have you to. have to have is you have to have a built in tactical scenario for how you're going to efficiently defeat your opponent's press. Yes. Okay. Or you have to be able to respond to losing the ball in a cohesive manner so that you don't get beat on breaks. Well, I mean, look, Vancouver has done that at times really well this year. Yeah. They don't press. I look, you don't necessarily, I think you said it exactly. You have to have a way that you come together in an organized manner that stops the counterattack. That's great. Absolutely true. I don't think there's that cohesive plan. I don't think that when you see players, you see good teams and they lose the ball, they shift, they make a thing, they go compact, they push out, like they respond to the situation quickly and like together. And I don't see Seattle do that. I see a lot of them just kind of look around. They're like it, it's not all the coaches' fault, but there's a lack of something there. There's a lack of a of an overarching sort of like thematic philosophy uh, about how to handle that situation, and it, it's just killing that team. Yeah, no, I, I will I will agree with that. I, and I think, you know, it kind of goes into exactly what Jose Mourinho kind of talked about on his uh, appearance there on the BBC, right? Are you going to quote Jose Mourinho dude, on this podcast? Dude, I know, right? Like after I got done talking about how Greg Berhalter was a better coach. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, okay. he, he, but he went into it. And if you I'm sure people, if you've listened to this podcast, you probably saw it. Um, if you did not go back and take a look. I know I've retweeted it. Um he went in talking about how teams approach because um, you have to game plan for when you turn the ball over because it's inevitable that you will turn the ball over. How mm-hmm. you react to when you turn that ball over is critical to your attack. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. I think he's a good coach, though. 
I didn't say he's a bad coach. <laughs> come on. Maybe he can come coach Seattle. That would be the most interesting thing that ever happened in this league. And I'm no, it would 100%. not. Oh, pass. Yes, it would be great. Uh, what's your next topic? Uh, rivalry week. Oh, let's talk about Portland since we're dissing Seattle. Uh, Portland's doing good, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think I think they are. I, honestly, I, I said this, you know, at the time they beat LAFC. I didn't think that there had been a better uh, counterattacking team so far this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, they're playing well to their strengths. They know who they are. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think Savarese is a brilliant tactician either, but but he's a very uh, pragmatic one, and I, I think he is communicating a system to the team well. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, they're going to run into times where, like, that just doesn't work, and we saw that, you know, in a very good, exciting game against Atlanta, which uh, you noted was closer than the results. Yeah, I agree with that. Um but yeah, I, I think that, that things are looking up, and uh, Fernandez has been great coming in. Uh, Chara is still charring and doing his thing, and uh, you know, you know who no one's talking about. Uh, who, who's underrated? I got an actual underrated player for you here, uh, Marira. Yes, uh, their right back is yes. excellent. Yes, um, and I think actually we talked about him the last time we were on this show. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, again, I just saw he was he's he's a great player. I looked at his numbers, and he's 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 an excellent player. So. Um, yeah, I, I think they've got a very exciting little project there, and I think they got a good core. And obviously, um, you know, I think that the Chara Valeri thing is going to be over soon, someday, um, and that transition will kind of see what the next era of this team is. But for right now, um, I think of all the teams that have a shot at like knocking LAFC out of the playoffs, they're one of the better ones in the West, if not the only one. Well, I said RSL. Uh, I think I, I will. I will bang that drum. I think RSL will. Will it will be capable of knocking them? Well, off. and the Galaxy always beat them, so maybe the Galaxy could do it too. Well, the Galaxy just have Zlatan, and not every team has Zlatan. But I mean, if it's you're going to be a good, compact defense, and, and let's make. I want to look at something real fast because something that's kind of interesting is we just talked about how Portland is pragmatic and they're 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 getting results right. And Seattle is a terrible defensive team and they have all these problems. So here, here's an interesting, both Seattle and Portland, Seattle actually has a better XG, uh, against than what Portland does. Um, what's, yeah, but is that, is that home adjusted? Cause we gotta well, always be careful with Portland's thing because you, you're right. Up. You're yeah. right. Home adjusted, but throwing out, I mean, we are getting towards the end of the season, right? Yeah, yeah, Home yeah, adjusted numbers. We, we can't just like not analyze Portland all season because of that. Right. And, and so, uh, but more to the point is the fact that Portland's giving up more shots, which is why their expected goals against is kind of inflated. And it's not but, that they're, they're giving up more shots. They're giving up more shots from worse locations. Right. And, 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 and. Something else I saw today that I did not expect for goal minus expected goal, Steve Clark, number two in the league. Yeah, Steve Clark's been uh, fantastic. I, I think Matthias Kulwatz, our, our very own. Uh, and Matty. He, he, Matty put out a tweet about that just last week. You know who's number one? No. Matt Turner. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Hold all of you. All of you. I don't think you. you didn't tell me. It's I not like I disagreed him. with you. No, I told people on this podcast. I said on this podcast that one of the main reasons Brad Friedel should be fired is for putting Matt Turner on the bench uh, because he had the potential to be uh, the league's best goalkeeper. He's he, he is interesting. He is he is special, and I think you're right about that. And uh, that I don't that get to in and of, of itself laps, is. So. Just gonna. I mean, that's 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 <laughs> mind-boggling that a, a, a keeper of his. Uh, quality of his time was that. Well, I'll tell you why it happened. I can tell you exactly why it happened because he's still young and he makes the occasional dumb thing. And Friedel, being an old veteran goalkeeper, you know, it's just like, no, we need a guy that's not going to do that, you know, and like a logical head. I can't do a good Brad Friedel impression because no one can because his voice is nonsense. But uh, yeah, that's why. But you stick with that guy, and on the overall, he's he's been fantastic for them again, and uh, he's set himself apart as, as one of the league's best uh, and maybe this season the best. So um, go Maddie Turner. Make me look good. But I, okay. So going back to Portland, yes. that's I, I, comparing two defenses that aren't necessarily um, 
the same, but underlying numbers have them close. You have to look a little bit deeper. It was the only point that I was, yeah, because uh, I, I feel like Sounders fans are going uh, to kind of yeah, come at us with some wiffle ball bats and, and you know, no, say, well, Portland's they're, defense they're, isn't necessarily better. It is. <laughs> no, it they're, is. they're concentrated on their political fight right now. And, That's true. Uh, trying Together. to soccer as much as human possible. Um, and I think that no one's really happy with that. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, but but again, in uh, allowing shots, like uh, allowing people to come into you, um, is part of Portland's pragmatism because they they attack on the counter. Um, yes. Our friend uh, Mark came up with a really interesting stat. I kind of blew my mind. Uh, that when they score first, they're like ten zero and one, and when they do not score first, they're like zero and eleven and one. So uh, Portland really wants to hit you hard. Uh, hit you early, and uh, then they can absorb pressure and pick at you uh, on the counter. So uh, there you go. If you want to beat Portland, score first. Good luck. So that kind of leaves you. You got LAFC. You got Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, you got two more home playoff spots in that first round, assuming yeah. you know LAFC can manage to keep that number yeah. one seed. I mean, let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. Let's it's, not get ahead of ourselves. Let's, but... let's hope they can hold on. It's going to be a close one. But let's go ahead and make the assumption they get that number one seed. Uh, that means Portland's kind of dead set right now with 30% to knock up that second one. Uh, that leaves, you got two more, and you have LA Galaxy, Minnesota, and RSL all vying pretty heavily for those uh, three and four spots. What do you got? What's Seattle at on that? I think Seattle's like at 11%. Wow. How so. far are they fallen? I think that was like eighty percent like a month ago. Yeah, um, they they were pretty they were pretty strong in the right in those spots, and they've sufficiently uh, killed themselves. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the loons, and I'm gonna take the uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy. I think Zlatan will drag him over over the line there. I don't know what to expect for RSL. I think we've got a very uh, interesting um, close of season. You know, with the new coach or the interim coach, rather uh, they were great against Seattle, but also Seattle was woeful against them um was the last one i saw i didn't really see their, their game this weekend uh but uh yeah i don't know i, I i'm gonna give it to minnesota uh and i'm gonna uh, probably la galaxy if i had to pick between la galaxy and rsl the galaxy is so hard I, we're, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in, in upcoming podcasts, but are, the galaxy are. are so hard to kind of try to uh analyze and distill um, they put on a heck of a show against Seattle. They um, have looked terrible at other times. Pavon mm-hmm. seems uh, to be good. Seems uh, good. Uh, at the same time, a lot of his underlying numbers over the past 18 months have not looked great. Um, so who knows? Uh, it'll yeah. be really interesting to see how this all comes down. So Yeah. Um, let's move on to <clears throat> some listener questions, our favorite part. Favorite. Uh, our favorite part of the show. Uh, Carlin Carpenter asks, which did you prefer, the relative parity across the league circa 2011 or the growth of super teams dominating their conferences with increasing regularity? A good question. Hmm. The soccer is so much better now, Carlin. Uh, I'm going to have to go with now, um, even though some teams are being left behind. Uh, I think that, generally speaking, the top are dragging, if not quickly, but they are dragging the rest of them with it. So I would prefer this. So <clears throat> I kind of was talking to uh, our, our friend Total Football um, about mm-hmm. basically some some ways, and I want to talk about this in an upcoming podcast, about how you use the league uh, to generate allocation money and as a, as a team like Columbus, as a team like Philadelphia or Colorado, and how you can start leveraging that so you can go and get some of these players to compete. But um, yeah, I, I think right now there is definitely this huge disparity. And I personally, um, while I loved uh, 2011 and, and those days, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there's a little bit more of the haves and the have-nots because um, I, I want there to be villains. I think it's fun having LAFC and Atlanta in this league because you have people that you're kind of rooting against. And and that's not to say that um, I don't have moments that I want them to do well or, you know, I don't enjoy watching them play. It's just, it's kind of fun having the New York Yankees, right? Or your Patriots. Or the Patriots, right? Some people yeah. are going to love, some people love the New York Yankees and the Patriots and Manchester City and Liverpool and Barcelona and Real Madrid. 
but most people don't. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it, it is. I it think is that bonds a, the league together. I, I feel like that bonds way, people together. Exactly. In some way, we can all come together and hope that Atlanta doesn't win another one and, and hold it over all of our heads for another season. But they might. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about it. Um, I do think that there was a lot of logical sense to parity and to the way that the league was set up and it was run for the initial years. Um, but I think that at this point, the league is growing and we're expanding at an absurd rate. Um, you have to take the, the reins off off teams a little bit more. And it's a CBA next season, so I, I think we will see a, a change there. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think overall the product's much better now, um, and that the so so I'm gonna have to take now over over 2011. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, next question is from uh, Kayla Wilkins. Ask: Is Freddie Montero's decline in production more a result of getting older, or the rest of the team's inability to get him the ball in dangerous areas? Uh, both, right? Oh, dang! Yes, yeah. <laughs> You, you kind of beat me to it. <laughs> I, I think Freddie Montero, I, I, I'm not an expert on Freddie Montero. I know you have more to say, but I will just say this. I think Freddie Montero's abilities were overstated uh, in his initial stint with the league with Seattle. I mean, he was good, but he was like a 11 or 12 goal a year guy. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, bringing him back, I don't think he ever really gave Vancouver what they needed. Um, but I think he's good, but, but he's not one of these guys now that we have that's like Avella or Ruidiaz or Martinez or Gustavo Boo or whatever, you know, like these guys that are scoring almost a goal a game. Um, so, uh, yeah, both things. Vancouver's not a good team, so they're, 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 the, the, the tip of that attack is not going to be very efficient. Yeah, there, there's definitely part of that, right? Um, but that being said, I mean, we forget Freddie Montero had some great years, right, over at Sporting. It's not as if um, Freddie Montero is necessarily a terrible forward. However, no. I don't think his skill set is really aligns with what the, the Vancouver Whitecaps are doing. He's he's a better version of Jesse Zardes, right, in the sense that he's really fantastic at getting in positions. He's got a great job of once he's in those positions creating a shot but the problem is once you start moving him away from goal and the and really with Vancouver this year they've been moving him further and further away from goal mm -hmm. and he's killing off their possessions at a, at a much higher rate than what he has previously and it's because he isn't he's not a good passer of the ball he's not and that's really killed a lot of their opportunities. So, yeah, they're having problems getting him into dangerous areas, but he's also killing off more of their possessions because of bad passes. And they're also not um, they're not having a lot of possessions in the attacking third in general. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of A. I think it's a little bit of B. And I think the fact that he's declining, and he is declining, um, a little bit of C as well. So it, it's a little bit tough to see, um, especially like Freddie Montero is, you know, one of the very first um, MLS players that I, I really, really enjoyed. And so it's a little bit tough for me to see. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um you know, Vancouver, if you're going to look to kind of electrify this team with, like, a presence up top, um, somebody like a Haber. Like I said, this is just a whole new – there's a whole new tier of these kind of players now in this league. And if you want to, like – they should get one of those next year. That would help them out a lot. Yeah, um, I, I but it, really... doesn't, it doesn't entirely fix everything. But, but I don't think that, like, you're going to see – in my opinion, I don't think Freddie Montero is going to, like, lead this team to, like, a, a Western Conference charge next year. Yeah, I thought the uh, Joaquin Ardias uh, was. Go I thought he was going to have a, a bigger impact, and it's really been yeah. too bad to see like him just it's not been work a up lot there. of misses for Vancouver on that striker position. I mean, like, since uh, what's his face, um, Octavio. Yeah, Cam uh, Camilo. No, Camilo, not Octavio. Yeah. Camilo. Yeah, Sandezo. Um Yeah, it's been a lot of misses since then. Yeah, so. Rivero came in. I think shortly thereafter. There, uh, yeah, that's right. He went back to the Cola Cola, my favorite soccer team name. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe okay. Here, I'm gonna throw this out to you here. What if the Vancouver striker position is cursed because they drafted Omar Salgado instead of Darlington Nagby, and it's it's the curse that stuck with them throughout? It's a really interesting. That's an interesting they, theory. There's a lot of interest. Picked the wrong striker, except for that, so, for that one year, Camillo. Silgato is kind of an interesting player. Yeah. 
well, he's not that interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, at the time, like him coming out of college, he was interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was young. I mean, he was he was like they. I think he was just a youth international prospect. Is where they were getting him from. So. Yeah, but I mean, he went down to Tigres. You know, there. It's not as if he did, didn't did have some well talent. There. No, he didn't. But I mean, it's. It, I think in Tampa last I saw, and he wasn't doing great there. No. Yeah. It just didn't work out for him. Actually, he's got. He has talent. There seems to be something missing from There's the, like the talent to. There's an alternate universe where Vancouver took Darlington Nagby, and, and and he didn't work out, and that position's cursed. And that position, <laughs> and then now they can never find a kind of uh, really good like middle of the field possession guy. <laughs> but they have great strikers. <laughs> they All still right. score go- score goals. They just score tons of goals, <laughs> and everyone's just like. Uh, but if we had someone that connected the defense to the attack. Defense. It's a luxury player. He's great. Not a lot of teams have that that role. It's cool that he's found one that really uses it. I love Donington Agme. I want to be clear on that. Just stop <laughs> saying that he's underrated. All right, last question. Or no, we have two questions. Uh, this is from our friend Eric who says, here's the top 10 in XG96 uh, over... 1,500 minutes, which of these players is the most easily replaceable on their team? I'll run through this list real quickly. Uh, number one is Zlatan, 0.86 XG. Number two, Vela, 0.82. Number three, Joseph Martinez, 0.75. I assume this is open play. Um, then Wondolowski at 0.68. Nikolic at 0.63. Quintero at 0.57. Minotas at 0.54. Uh, Kasper Przbilko. Oh, man, I forgot how to say his name. We, we practiced it that one day. 0.5. What was it? Shibilko? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you remembered. 0.57, Kai Kamar, 0.47, Daniel Royer, 0.42. The most easily replaceable of all these is obviously Daniel Royer, uh, if that's our pick. Well, um, it, so first of all, it's not open play. So let us uh, counsel oh, okay. Eric upon his decision okay, Eric, to Eric. Uh, right. we'll use. We'll talk about it. He's listening right now while he's working out at the gym. And I, I or, want you to... or for a run. He might be going for a run. He could be a for a run. Uh, let's, let's, let's knock uh, Chibilko, Kamara, and Royer out of this question because I think that makes it a little easier. Uh, let's say Minotas, Quintero, Nikolic, Wondolowski, Martinez, Vela, and Ibrahimovic are our choices. I, I, I kind of am stuck between Wondolowski and Nikolic. I think it's Nikolic. Yeah, that's uh, that's who I'm leaning towards. Um, Wondolowski's having a fantastic year. I don't ever want to see Wondolowski get replaced. I want him to just <laughs> I want him to come in and score two goals in a game randomly when he's 54 for the San Jose Earthquakes. Like I, I just I need that. I need that dependability in my life. I, I feel like we could. I I totally feel like that's not that far off. I mean, the guy, even off. though he's not like a, he's not the I'm in fantastic. Like a, you don't know I'm a professional athlete. If I was out, at the, if if Wondolowski and I were both at the gym together, I don't feel like I would recognize him as a professional athlete. No, but he'd be able to sneak up on you and beat you up. He he, he, he would get so great crafty. positioning on me because he's so Excellent. crafty. <laughs> <laughs> but like that being said. He does keep himself in tremendous. It's not like he doesn't take care of himself. He keeps himself tremendously fit. I would not be surprised to see him do a couple more years. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't either, especially with how well he's done in, in this. Yeah. yeah, he could transition into like a player coach thing if they wanted to go that direction. Agreed. Um, like that would be really rad. So, uh, yeah, I'd say Nikolic is probably the most easily replaceable, just because he's he's good, but he's a fairly one dimensional guy. Um, and not only that, he's completely dependent. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at guys like Martinez, Vela, Ibrahimovic, like these teams would be very bad shape without them. And those are very hard to replace talents. Um, even Quintero from Minnesota, I feel like they'd have a hard time finding that kind of exact mold, that player in that exact mold. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I like Nikolic, but, uh, I think he's easy, useful player, but uh, I'm going to say he, of these listed. So an interesting conversation, uh, was sparked, um, earlier this week about whether or not if LAFC had Johnny Russell, instead of Carlos Vela, could they still be in first place? Um, no. You don't think so? No, I don't. I mean, and, and I I'm not, well, saying, that, okay. that takes, me, I'm not me, saying that takes away from Carlos Vela. Yeah, but let me, let me say this. Maybe, but not to the extent that they agree. No, and I, uh, I, think that, I think that's fair. I think there's still a supporters' shield race, and they're in it. But uh, I, don't, I don't think this team looks anything as... Incre- like so dominant as they are, yes. I don't think that's a hot take. So, Crosby, very important. 
I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of these players predominantly are vital to their teams and mm-hmm. they're a difference maker in terms of, especially like Martinez. I, I think Martinez is a huge difference maker, but I don't necessarily think that he's adequate for what Frank DeBoer wants to play. Joseph Martinez? Yeah. He seems to be doing fine. He's fine. He's great. But think about how many penalties he's putting in. Like It's it, five. It's not as many as I make fun of him for. It's five. It's Exactly. And not it's to mention, what, what about Capiona's cup? Like, that doesn't include that. Like, look... And Vela, Vela's had a lot of penalties too, man. Vela's. I'm not like, saying he. Right there he with him. And Vela's Zlatan. a winger. You're comparing. You're comparing the guy that like. It's too different. Like you, all of these guys up top, especially on this list, because Eric didn't filter out penalties, uh, are all benefiting from a lot of penalties. Even Wando too. Um, he does. So yeah. He. That's how he got his hat trick. Hey, look. I don't disagree with you. I. I. Um. Yeah. I, I would say Nikolic is... Okay, fair. Let's move on. <laughs> Read the uh, last question. question is, what is from Adam Turley? What does new Red Bulls, New York Sunning, Josh Sims need to bring to the team in the closing stages of the season? Uh, more importantly, who has the most powerful hair in Major League Soccer? Uh, Josh Sims needs to bring goals to the New York Red Bulls in the closing uh, stages of the season because they don't, they don't have Brian White anymore. I don't know what's going on with BWP. Um, whether he's creating them or scoring them, uh, they need some 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 goals. Do they not? I feel like they just need somebody. They, they definitely need somebody to help create. They yeah. definitely need somebody to help create, uh, along with Kaku and just yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I'm gonna admit I don't know anything about Josh Sims uh, as a Southampton player. Um, I don't I don't know what to expect from him. Uh, I don't think that my instinct looking at his numbers is that he's not going to be a big difference maker, but sometimes these guys come to MLS and surprise you. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out either. Um, but uh, I, whatever is ailing the Red Bulls of New York, I, I don't think Josh Sims is, is the cure-all uh, drug for it. I guess I'd say that. And, and I know we'll probably get into this, being that we kind of focus on the West Coast. We'll probably talk a little bit about East Coast next week. I don't feel what's ailing the Red Bulls is – player personnel i i think it's more tactical would you agree yeah i think it's yeah i mean again it's always that that question of coaching that i i don't i feel i'm hesitant to answer but yeah i think it's safe to say that there's been a things aren't as they were under the 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 the, the leadership of jesse marsh uh all right second part of this question is probably the most important who has the most powerful hair in major league soccer mm. Boy, there's that's nobody a tough that's one. like, there's nobody that's like. Okay, so we don't have a Duro anymore. Um, we don't have a Zusi. Zusi doesn't really have his locks anymore. I mean, it's got to be Zlatan, right? I mean, that man bun thing. That like side ponytail. I don't know what he does with it. He like it's like an up ponytail. Maybe thing. Quincy. Quincy has the, Boy, the Quincy same has one. Some powerful hair. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I'd rather go with Quincy. Let's go with Quincy. I like it. Quincy Maraqua. Friend of the Great show. Guy. Doesn't know it, but friend of the show. Friend of the show. Great guy. Um, good hair. Uh, got memed pretty well for doing a pretty funny thing on the Major League Soccer field, uh, which is great. Uh, we're big fans of Quincy here. So let's give that one to Quincy uh, with a, uh, you know, a runner-up to Zlatan Ibrahimovic just for his powerful whatever, whatever he's doing. Uh, that is all of it, man. We did it. We're back. A good, a good return show. I think uh, if we have listeners that I will have upset several of them. So that's always a good sign. Um, thank you. We're here for, for listening you. and coming back. And uh, congratulations again to our uh, our producer, Casey. Uh, you do a great job on making the show sound good. And um, I hope that hope that you've learned something about Major League Soccer while listening to segments of it as you t- tune our our uh, volume levels. Uh, but congratulations on on the new baby. That's that's awesome. Uh, thank you, uh, Harrison. Uh, as always, my friend, my colleague, my co-host, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. And please follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That's at Analysis Evolved. Uh, and visit our website, www.americansocceranalysis.com with you or without you, with or without you, up there now. 
uh, the great Choik, uh, put up a, uh, a, a take on the, a plus minus in soccer. And uh, I think it's excellent. I think it's really cool. Um, you know, he, he addressed some of the difficulties in it, but, but I think it's, a, it's really, really interesting what he's done. And I think he's just such a fantastic writer and uh, a thinker about this sort of thing. So uh, go check it out. See what he's doing. See what he's working on. Uh, I don't think he'll be disappointed. Um, did, you, did you read it, Harrison? I did. I, I skimmed it. He skimmed it. Harrison skimmed it. Uh, don't just skim it. No. I might I might test you on it at a later date. Uh, I edited it, so I read it like a hundred times. <laughs> he he even asked me to proofread it. I just didn't have time. Uh, yeah. I feel bad. Sorry, dude. But uh, it came out great. Don't listen to Harrison. It's worth more than a skim. Uh, check it out. Visit the website. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, enjoy the soccer. We said